Hello, everybody, and welcome to T2RL Talks, our series of podcasts which is covering the transition that the airline industry is trying to make towards a system of offers and orders to replace the decades-old P&Rs, tickets, EMDs, and so on. If you've listened to any of the previous editions of this podcast, you'll know that we've talked about the architecture of the new environment, we've talked about how to manage transition, and we've talked about some of the costs involved. What we haven't touched on so far is how these changes are going to impact on the travel sellers who are responsible for a very large part of airline revenue, and not only that, but actually some of the most valuable airline revenue. So it seems remiss that to date, at least, the travel sellers have not played a very active part in defining the new standards. With me today, I have Ian Luck, who is the head of T2RL's travel distribution practice, and a very special guest. We have Nicola Ping, who is Global Manager Travel Distribution at Flight Center. Uh, Flight Center, for the three people out there who don't know, is a very large multinational travel agency, currently sitting number six in the travel weekly power list of travel agencies, has more than 12,000 employees around the globe. And Nikki is responsible for the uh, travel distribution interfaces for the whole of Flight Center. Also relevant to this conversation is that prior to taking up her current position, Nikki was also in a senior position at TP Connects, which is the travel technology provider in which Flight Center owns a majority stake. So that's enough of introductions for the time being. And I'd just like to throw in what might be a provocative question to either Ian or Nikki, depending on who wants to take it. Why have travel sellers not yet engaged? in the process of moving towards offer order settle deliver maybe maybe Ian just eases in yes it's an interesting question uh, as as far as we understand it we don't think travel sellers have been that heavily engaged yet perhaps there's a few that taken some interest we're wondering and maybe this is can set this up for Nikki to comment on we're wondering partly whether is it that airlines have been trying to work out enough of the what, what this means from their point of view to be able to share it, but they haven't really invited the travel sellers yet. Is it that travel sellers have got a lot on their plate coming out of COVID, rebuilding their teams, NDC in the distribution space, other things going on, and, and that they haven't had resources? Is it a bit of both? Um, those, those are the sorts of things we were thinking. Yeah, it'd be interesting to get your view, Nikki. I think probably the short answer to your question in is yes and it's, it's kind of all of the above um i think it would probably be wrong of me to say that there's no travel sellers who haven't really started on this because um i think that um i know that that isn't actually true and some of the uh, larger particularly online leisure side of travel have really focused on, on moving towards this um but i think that particularly from a corporate side of things um probably the the big kind of TMCs haven't yet really started properly on this journey. And it's partly because of timing, as you said, coming out of COVID, we had a lot of sort of things, to, other things to manage and and kind of getting back to profitability was was obviously a top, top of that list. Because actually, not only is this change quite complex and consequently time consuming, but the, the other things that we have to consider is, although we do sell a lot of air content, 
air is only part of what we sell. So we have to think about the rest of the, the content that we sell for our customers. But also by by nature, the corporate side of travel, as we've heard from the whole NDC journey, is is complicated. And we can't make that change in isolation without also considering the downstream implications, importantly, on our customers. And so some of our larger customers are use different travel management companies in different parts of the world. And so um, where we kind of have a global customer and a global program, we have to kind of coordinate all of that with them. So it's just it's, it feels like a, a big task. But now I think this the time is right for the conversations to really start to happen and, and think about getting um, a move on really in in this area. I think there's there's something really quite important there. I think maybe a lot of people within airlines see travel agents just as people who come in and make bookings on their flights and that's all you do. But that's far from the truth, isn't it? Maybe you could just outline the breadth of services that you're providing to your clients beyond just booking air. Yes. Uh, so um, I think from, from a kind of a, a travel fundamentals perspective, it starts right from the decision to, to do a trip. And that obviously often involves air. But for a lot of um, our travellers, it doesn't just involve air. It will involve um, some sort of hotel stay or now um, something like Airbnb and other transportation, be that rail, which is particularly important in the European market, and also sometimes things like car hire. And so those the, the, the sort of at high level, they tend to be the products that we sell most. And then once we have got all of those products that make up a, a trip for a, a corporate customer, it's important that if they want to make any changes to any aspect of that, that we can manage all of that together. So we operate all of the servicing, which will be on a 24-7 basis. But then, of course, from a corporate perspective, um, we need to make sure that we can report uh, accurately on the travel. And if there are any issues during the trip that we can help with duty of care. And these things are very interlinked. So, for example, if, if somebody decides that their trip moves from a, a Tuesday to a Wednesday, it's more than just changing the flight. We have to change the day of the hotel. We might have to change the, the day of the train ticket and things like that. So air is a very important part of what we sell, but it certainly isn't everything that we sell. I'm quite interested as well in not just the selling of, of travel services, but also the things that you did refer to, things like reporting and accounting. And I know that some TMCs, for example, get involved in expense reporting for, for the corporations and a whole bunch of other stuff. So while the airline might fondly imagine that you know booking their flights is the most significant thing you do, you're actually doing a whole raft of other things that the airline today is not necessarily aware of. That is definitely true. Um, and I think also when we think about this, it's not just the what we book in terms of the, is it an air ticket? Is it a hotel stay? For example, it's it's the actual content. So if I think about some of our larger corporate customers, they obviously negotiate directly with these suppliers themselves. So they negotiate with an airline, which we all know and understand is like an airline route deal. But they typically also have big discounts from the large hotel chains. And actually something that I've just started to learn about is that corporate discounts also exist on rail travel. And so it's something that as a large corporate, you've got access to all of this preferential content because of the volume of what you book. 
but that is invisible to the airline. So they will never know the discounts that they get at a hotel chain or on a rail provider. And as a corporate, you've negotiated that. So when you book your travel, you're entitled to it and you expect it. Okay. So the airline's vision of offer order is that the airline is going to be responsible for holding the order, which contains all the information about itinerary, prices, payments. Um, and whereas in the past, we've been used to the GDS doing a lot of that, the airline's vision is that that's not going to be the case anymore. I suspect that that's going to cause some challenges for those agencies who are accustomed to having a lot of their information together in the GDS. Yes, I think that's, that's right. And I think the part of the, the problem, as far as I can see it, is that the idea, the concept of having a single order is, is a good one. But um, as we've just recently talked about, it's not just all about air. It has to include everything that is sold. And I think that consequently, who kind of effectively owns the order, but obviously ownership is kind of a minefield in itself, who is responsible for managing the order is probably not necessarily the airline. It needs to be whoever the customer decides. So as a leisure customer, if I decide I'm going to book directly on the airline website and perhaps book more than just air on that website, that's fine. The airline knows everything that I'm doing. But in the case of a corporate customer who has effectively given a TMC responsibility for managing their travel program, it's only really the TMC who's got access to all of that information. And so I think it seems sensible that the person who's responsible for managing that order is the TMC. Ian, you work with uh, a lot of airlines in your capacity as head of our distribution practice. Do you think the airlines in general are aware of the breadth of services that the TMCs are offering? Uh, I think it varies. There are certainly people at airlines who are, you know, experienced people who work in the corporate sales area, or if they're distribution people that have got a, you know, a good background that do understand this, at least up to a point. Nikki used to work in an airline and now works in a, a TMC. I'm sure she's learned more since she went there. I do think airlines are trying to take some of this into account. And to some extent, airlines that have invested in NDC and put resources into that space have probably developed their knowledge somewhat through that process, depending on how proactive that they've been and how much they've engaged with travel sellers. Uh, but I'm sure there's more to do. And I, I guess one of the things that seems to be important from our point of view is that as with NDC Airlines engaged with travel sellers, but there's a debate how effectively that was done, was it done early enough, all of those questions come up frequently. Is it a case here that airlines could be a bit more proactive, perhaps engaging with travel sellers? Could travel sellers equally also be proactive and kind of get engaged in this subject so that yeah, the information's flowing. There's transparency there. We try to figure out how to build all this new capability in a way that works for everybody in Valencia. One thing I've observed in in working with airlines around these subjects is that they seem to be most interested in growing and developing their direct sales. And, and that's where it makes sense, I guess, for them to own the order in their order management systems and so on. But as far as I can see, for the foreseeable future, there will be a requirement for intermediated sales for certain sections of the market. And 
And that's not going to go away anytime soon. But my feeling is that there are people in the airlines who haven't quite grasped that very well. It's a really interesting one. I think it does vary by airline and it varies by person within the airline. Um, there are clearly some airlines in the world who have got very high direct share. Potentially, if they're more leisure focused, potentially if they're more of a carrier that operates in sort of one key domestic market, but those types of airlines tend to be more direct focused. If you're a global airline, you operate in many, many markets, all the continents, and you have a mixture of TMC and leisure. And not just, it's, it's certainly not the case that leisure as a broad category is always simple. Leisure booked with crews, with multiple stops, with other things like that can also be something that a travel agency can sell more effectively than an airline. So I, th- I definitely think there are some key customer segments, which for some airlines will be more than half their business, uh, for others maybe smaller, but for, for many, many airlines, the, the business that they get from travel agencies is very important. And I, most of the airlines I work with are in that case. Maybe that leisure's grown a bit over direct, leisure and direct has grown a bit over COVID, but, but I don't think it's changed the importance of agencies for, for many of the, certainly the global elements. Okay. And, and, and Nick has outlined uh, some of the services that the TMCs are providing to uh, their corporate customers. If, if the airlines really wanted to move that business to a direct model, are the airlines even equipped to do all of those other things for the corporate customers or, or indeed individual customers? And, and as Ian said, Nikki, you've worked on both sides of the fence. Do you think the airlines could even consider taking that stuff on? Consider it, yes. I, I think that the airlines also are in acknowledgement of the fact there's a lot of work to do on their side because obviously as I'm also an airline direct consumer for when I do things like go on holiday and actually um, I am somebody who often buys more than just a flight directly from an airline. So I will often go onto an airline website and buy the flight but also perhaps buy my hotel or my car hire through that website and even when I do that now, I still don't have one concept of an order from the airline direct. I will still have three separate bookings, which don't really talk to each other. Um, in fact, they, they don't talk to each other because a recent experience I've had is where my, my return flight home was cancelled. But of course, it doesn't communicate that to the car hire company. And so I think that the airlines have the ability to sell a lot of this content on their websites already but they haven't necessarily integrated that into their full stack because there's not a concept of a single order, even if I buy it from a single place. Right. And, and for a relatively simple leisure booking, that's manageable. But if you got into the, the, the co- complex corporate or indeed complex leisure, as Ian says, it seems to me unlikely that airlines will be able to manage all of that. And they certainly are not going to be reporting into your uh, expense management system on your behalf. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And, and, and there genuinely are, you know, customers who value the service that agencies provide of the comparison shopping as well. And some consumers will go on to five airline direct websites, they'll check three meta search engines, they'll check two OTAs, and they'll do all of that themselves. There are others that, you know, trust a particular agency to give them you know, what the, the knowledge of what's the best way, the best price, the best option, the best service. So there's 
definitely some consumers in the leisure or corporate space that are totally happy to go direct, but there's there's a number of consumers that absolutely want the services agencies provide. I, I do not I think that's a really important point because if you think about airline websites now, um, often within things like alliances or with their joint venture partners, sometimes when you shop on an airline direct website, you do get like returned if you are not operated by that airline where you have shopped. Um, but increasingly, particularly in Europe, that due to sustainability uh, targets that have been set for our customers, there's a requirement to compare rail and air alongside each other. And really, no airline website has given us the ability to do that. And so the comparison shopping is a really important point that Ian makes there. If we assume that Offer, Order, Settle, Deliver is going to go ahead looking something like the architectures that have been proposed, what will be the impact on travel sellers? What is going to change in the travel seller's life once there are no more tickets, no more EMDs, once their orders are created in an airline's own database rather than in the GDS. I suspect that that might drive the need for some fairly substantial changes in your back-end systems, in your mid-office systems, and so on, that currently are very much geared up to taking input from, from today's channels. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. So in a lot of scenarios today, um, the the concept of, of the tickets and the PRs is stored um, outside of our own internal systems. And in a world where we perhaps are not going to get as much of the content from those systems, we need to think about bringing that in-house and having an orders database. Now, I think that what we need to remember is that the reason that a lot of fields exist in a traditional PNR or in a traditional ticket is because the data that's contained in those fields is needed downstream. And so I don't want to have a view that actually um, we don't need the data. We absolutely need the data because we have to be able to fulfill the bookings. We have to be able to report on the bookings and work out what's going to happen if, if something goes wrong. But the actual storage mechanism probably just needs to be updated to more of a concept of an orders database, which then take feeds from the various suppliers that we use and also provide feeds out to third parties like duty of care providers or to the customer reporting and things like that. So I think it's it's probably a shift to a different type of database, but actually a lot of the data is still definitely needed. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we've uh, we certainly come across uh, as an idea. We're, we're currently working with um, a substantial airline group in Europe who are looking to implement an order management system. And what we've found in trying to define requirements for that order management system is that the fundamental requirements haven't changed. The, the processes that an airline needs to go through in order to sell and deliver its services really don't change very much. But the mechanisms that they use might change and the storage technologies they use might change and so on and so on. But fundamentally, airlines don't have a huge amount of flexibility to change a lot of their processes. And that's not going to change as, as we introduce um, offer, order, settle, deliver. I'm interested in the idea of the super PNR. I know that there are lots of technology companies have offered solutions which which involve a super PNR, which to my, as far as I can see, is, is a kind of index to bookings held all over the place and you just keep them together in one place and 
can, can access them that way. Is that something that you have in use at Flight Center um, in, in today's world? Yes, we, we do have the concept of a, a super PNR. So if effectively, if, if going back to what I was saying at the start, if we've got a traveler who books different elements, be that a, a flight, hotel and rail, although behind the scenes we've got separate orders or PNRs, as far as the customer is concerned, it's managed as one trip ID. So that they can see it all as one trip and it kind of, when they display it in the app, it kind of appears sequentially in the logical order in which they're going to consume it. Um, so we have, we do have that concept. So whether we call it super PR because that feels a bit dated, it, it's just an order really, I guess, isn't it? With lots of different elements within the order. Well, that's kind of where I was going really. Conceptually, it's not a big step from that super PNR to the all singing, all dancing order that, that's being discussed in, in today's world. Let's just think about what it would take to move on from a super PNR to an order. And to my mind, it's to do with the way the orders are are linked and the way that they're cross-referenced. So in today's super PNR that that you have, you have to include all the different booking references from all the different elements within it. Because when the customer presents themselves at the airport or at the railway station or or wherever, they will need that vendor's identifier, that vendor's uh, booking reference. With orders, the intention is that they will be automatically cross-referenced. So you always need one ID the whole way through and everyone will recognize it. That, to me, is is the, the, the main difference. Yeah, but I, I think we're going to be a long way from that for a long time to come. Because if I think about, even if, um, so from an, an IR to offers an orders perspective, the structure of what an order, sh- an offer should look like has been sort of largely agreed. Um, and so all of the airlines, as they transition to offers and orders, should be having a standard format. If I think about rail, across Europe alone, there's, countless rail providers who haven't even managed to normalize what the station codes are. I can't really see a world where where I'm going to encourage every rail provider across Europe to have a standard order format. So I think that the responsibility for that still will sit with me as the travel seller. So as far as the customer is concerned, there will be one trip ID. The fact I have to translate it behind the scenes so that the customer can go and get on the train or check in at the hotel. I think that's going to be a long time to come before we, it's all completely in a standard format. Ian, I know you uh, were recently at the um, the Duhop customer conference in uh, in Iceland. Just for clarity, Duhop is not the only provider of virtual interlining services. There are others. Um, but do you think that those kind of vendors have a role to play in integrating uh, bookings into something that looks like a single order in the future? I think it's an interesting opportunity for companies like that you know, today they help airlines that don't necessarily want to go into the full world of interlight and to link two parts of the journey together uh, they're doing air to air they're doing air to train and they're doing that in a way that the individual suppliers don't have to change their infrastructure much they don't have to be that that aligned uh, it could be uh, as some airlines move to Offers and orders. Others are still in legacy worlds. People are trying to do more train and so on. That the, there'll be, you know, there will be more opportunity in that space. Um, yeah, I, I think that's probably true. 
I mean, today, Nikki, I guess you already deal with multiple suppliers. Probably today, the GDS PNR might have more than just air in it. Yes. In some cases. So, for, and it will vary by TMC. Some TMCs may, the GDS PNR may be very fundamental to what they do. There may be others where you use the GDS PNR, but you also have your own trip ID or something. And I guess there's varying approaches for TMCs depending on your way of working. I guess in future, as as we move away from PNRs to orders, that change becomes it becomes even more important potentially for you to take clarity on how you're going to link everything together. Yes. Whether one day it gets to a world of whether the airline order gets that structure gets used by other suppliers and it all links together, I, I think it's hard to tell at the moment. Yes, and we do. There's a lot of mapping that goes on behind the scenes at the moment. Already. And so, yes, yeah. and chances are the, the way it maps might change slightly, but not the, the concept of the mapping. It's still going to be there for a long time. But it's interesting that you mentioned a dual kind of the virtual interlining, because I think that at the moment, from what I see from either DHOP or other players in that area, is that they are providing services for airline. So to, for the ability for the airlines to talk to each other. But we've also had conversations with them and some others around um, whether that's the service that actually would work in, in a troubled seller space. But I think that going back into one of your questions right at the start about how, how do troubled sellers kind of group this all together and add value, one thing that's really important at the moment is in a lot of scenarios, our corporate customers effectively pay us and we settle with the suppliers behind the scenes on their behalf. Because obviously, as a corporate customer, you cannot use things like the IR to BSP in most situations, and you cannot settle through the rail um, delivery group and things like that. We take away a lot of that. And I think that if we're going to think about who is going to manage that order, be that the airline or be it some a third party who's an intermediary, they have to be able to provide this full range of services. So being able to settle properly and, and things like that is is really important for the corporate customers. So maybe those airlines that think they're going to be selling a whole load of non-air travel products need to think more carefully about the downstream processes around settlement and accounting yes. than, than maybe they have in the past. And, and actually, um, settlement is, is something that I think is very important from an order's perspective because... We obviously, we settle a huge amount from an air perspective through the BSP and in the US with with ARC and making sure that however we transition as an organization and as an industry to offers and orders, that needs to go all the way through to downstream because there's no point me trying to have an order at the front supported by the airlines if actually the BSP and ARC are still working in a world of PNRs. It has to kind of go through the whole lot, otherwise we're going to have even more of a mismatch of, of data. Flight Centre and, and your peers in the sort of top 10 of the, the travel weekly power list have got resources, have got technology, have got the ability to do a lot of stuff for yourself. There's a lot of smaller agencies out there who don't have that. Do you think the GDSs have a role to play in some of this aggregation of, of different content and, and different suppliers source? And, and if so, what might that look like in the future? 
probably the short answer is yes. And as far as I know, the the big GDSs are definitely working on on plans to do this. It's probably from their perspective a balance of resources between how many transactions are they really getting that are going to be offers and orders at the moment compared to the traditional artifact where there's no demand to to, to move. But I think it does make sense to have all of that in in one place. And actually. The GDSs already aggregate quite a lot of content anyway. So as well as obviously Air, they've got a vast number of hotels that are available, not just like Hotel Direct, but they've integrated things like the Expedia Hotel product. Um, they, from a rail perspective, they've got Eurostar integrated, things like that. So they're already in a prime position to be able to do that. So yes, I think it would be a good idea, but I believe there are also other third parties who are they see themselves as kind of order management systems yeah. who would probably be more of a kind of maybe an off-the-shelf um, version for other travel agents to consider. And it's kind of that age-old question of, of buy versus build um, in terms of speed and, and cost and things like that. But it makes sense to have it kind of standardized and centralized if possible. What, what I'm thinking of as, as an extension to the current GDS model would be the ability to store and manage bookings that haven't actually been made through the GDS, that have been made externally. We've long had the concept of passive segments for air, um, but you know, could that be extended so that agencies who are making bookings on an NDC Direct Connect, for example, could then store the order reference in, in their GDS? Is that something that the GDS would even want to get into? Well, technically it's possible because we all know that passives exist, quite whether the large GDSs would like to consider themselves as databases for booking made elsewhere is probably more of a, a commercial or a contra- contractual Absolutely. issue. And I don't know, it's a change of business model but from from their perspective. Yeah, it's probably better that you get Amadeus or Sabre. Oh, yeah, on okay. A I, mean, I don't think you're in a difficult position there. But absolutely, I think the GDSs are going to need to adjust their business model as we move into a world of office and orders. You know, we've already recognized that the burden of shopping, which currently is carried by the GDS in GDS bookings, is going to largely transfer to the airlines. And therefore, the airlines would say, with some justification, they shouldn't be paying the same level of fees to the GDS if they're taking on the burden of uh, of shopping. So the GDSs themselves might be, and in my view, ought to be looking at all the possibilities around how to adjust their business model to take into account the new realities. Has anyone had that conversation to your knowledge yet, Ian? Is, is that something that's been discussed very much? The commercial model piece is always will always be there. Um, and airlines are talking to GDSs about commercial models in the context of NBC. There'll be commercial model questions in the context of offer order change that GDS is a technology providers to airlines as well as agencies. So they're they're in a prior position to kind of be involved and and they will be changing technology you know, as part of this change. And I, I think they're quite engaged already in thinking about offer order from from what was said publicly. Exactly where they are on the agency side, the idea of as an agency is your aggregator effectively your technology provider. Can you disassociate those things? What are the commercial models? I, I, I don't think airlines have got into that discussion much yet and to some extent maybe that the airlines view some of that as a matter for uh, GDSs and aggregation technology companies and agencies to provide. I I guess what is important for airlines is to make sure that 
they understand as much as possible and engage with travel sellers. This is the sort of thing we keep coming back to, to make sure that whatever changes the airline plan to make in their infrastructure of offers, orders, there's both tickets and EMDs, how that flows through the system onto settlement and other things, they're explaining that to travel sellers and others, and they're listening and asking for feedback so that whatever else happens, whatever commercial models evolve, the information that agencies and others need downstream to make this work and the visibility of what's changing in advance we're happening is there. To, to me, that seems to be the most critical point as we've thought about this over the last few months is that sort of transparency of information through the value chain of what's going to change and some sort of open, honest, constructive debate, hopefully, on the best way to do this feels to me like the most important thing. Commercial discussions will, commercial issues, there were commercial issues between airlines, GDSs and agencies 20 years ago, and there's are today, and there will be in 20 years. Between commercial entities, there will always be commercial arts. But there is a need for the industry to do this in a collaborative, constructive way, at least on the technology side. That, that's sort of my fundamental thought on this. It's it's an easy thing to say, and I'm going to say it anyway, is that right now there are way more questions than answers in this area. And I think the GDSs and the airlines and the agency community and people like us all need to be transparent with each other, exchanging information and engaging in some joined up thinking on, on the way forward. How are we going to make that happen? How especially are we going to get airlines to engage in constructive conversations with with travel sellers. Because as far as I am aware, IATA's got its airline retailing consortium that's beavering away defining architectures and requirements, but has not had a single conversation with a travel seller. How are we going to get that to change? Shall, shall we go and picket the IATA office in Geneva? I think think is is a good point, and we hope that we have lessons learned from how long it took NDC to kind of get agreed and everything because we didn't have the value chain included. The IATA structure of governance has recently changed following the resolution that got passed a few months ago, and the new working groups and structure are going to kick off from the beginning of November. So this is probably the right time to ask those questions so that we make sure that when the groups and everything are set up, they do include everybody talking collaboratively. I think that Ian's Ian's point is really valid because for a large TMC like us, we don't just work with one GDS. We work with all of the GDS partners, of course, globally. And it would be crazy for us to have to manage how an order that would look different in Sabre compared to how it would look in Amadeus or Travel Sky. Um, because and, and so if it's purely technical, we have to have some kind of proper enforced standard. As, otherwise, it's going to be very, very difficult to kind of get any traction on this. I guess the other thing is, I mean, yes, IATA has a role to play, it has a certain responsibility with resolutions and standards and things. That's a key part of what they do um, and can support some of that and engagement. And good to hear that perhaps opportunities come to do that. There will be bilateral conversations between airlines and agencies, particularly larger agencies in key markets where they have strong relationships with certain airlines. That's fine. I guess there's various other third parties, whether they're industry ones like ATPCO or ARC or other people that will be involved. No doubt we will continue as we are on this podcast and in other places like our conference to try and engage. That was a, 
unintended pun. We will try and engage with travel sellers, uh, airlines, technology providers to continue to promote this type of conversation and discussion. I think it is critical that in lots of different places, I, I don't think it all falls on how to do it, I guess. There's, there's lots of other players that should be trying to promote this subject. It's important from nearly everybody in the industry that this is done in the best way it can be done. Okay. I mean, that's, that's a very good cue for wrapping up this conversation. We one, one might almost think we planned it. And, and, and I agree absolutely wholeheartedly that the most important thing over the next few months to maybe a couple of years is to improve the flow of information around this stuff that all participants in the distribution channels are aware of what's going on and have the opportunity to influence it. And for T2RL, our part in, in that is, as Ian said, our Engage conference in September where this discussion will continue with a, with a broader uh, set of people and a broader audience. And also in the reports that we published, we, we've had three reports in the transformation series so far this year, and a fourth one is imminent, which will pick up on some of the ideas that we've been discussing today and hopefully amplify them a little bit. Really, the message from this is there are tons of questions. Uh, there are very few answers yet, but they are out there and we can develop them, providing we all work at it and engage in meaningful conversations. For now, I would like to thank the participants. I'd like to thank Ian, my, my friend and colleague, and especially to thank Nikki for giving up some of her time today to uh, enlighten us with, with a view from a sector that we haven't previously included uh, as much as maybe we could and should. And I'd like to thank you for listening. And I hope that uh, having listened to this podcast, you'll be interested to read the report and to maybe come along to the Engage conference in September. In the meantime, look out for the next issue of T2RL Talk sometime next month. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Nikki. <laughs>